0: Welcome to the Awake Church podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Good morning. How are we? Hope you're doing well. Um, Thank you, Lord. Great to be alive. Great to be here. Thank you, Lord, for the weather. All right. Well, I want to jump in today and share for just a few minutes this morning. Um, and I want to talk about, you know, if you are saved, you've given your heart and life to Jesus, you've committed yourself to him, you've opened up yourself, asked for forgiveness of your sins, receive the Spirit of God. It's like that beginning of salvation and you move forward and The Holy Spirit then comes and takes up permanent residence on the inside of us. Isn't that something? He takes permanent residence in the inside of us. God moves from heaven into the inside of you. so different than just following someone. It's that he has moved inside of us. We're now his home. We're what used to be the Ark of the Covenant. We are now the roving Ark of the Covenant, the place where the Spirit of God dwells. And he knows us and he sees us individually as people. He knows us individually, knows your name, every hair in your head, every thought you've ever had, everything about your history and everything about your future. He knows everything. He's so personal with us, as we know, amazing. that God is that personal. But he also sees us as a part of something larger than just us. So just for a quick moment, to think about how God sees us. He sees us individually, knows every single thing, but then he sees us as a part of his own body, of his own body. That body that was birthed didn't exist until the Spirit of God came to the earth. Jesus died, rose again, and then the Spirit of God birthed the church, which is you and I. And every born-again believer who has the Spirit of God on the inside is a part of this body so how he uses the, the metaphor there, this body of Jesus. And Jesus is the head of this body. That's what the, the Bible says. So he sees us individually, yet he sees us as a part of something larger, something global. Or every single follower of Jesus who is filled with the Spirit around the world, he sees you as a part of that. And he's connected to every single part of that. Just as your head, your brain is connected to every part of who you are with nerves and those type of things, Jesus is connected with feelings to every single person in his entire body. It's how it works. I don't understand the, I mean, it's amazing to me that that really is true, but it is. And Jesus so identifies with his own body, just like if someone were to hurt your body, you feel it. You have compassion for that finger that got, I've done this many times with a hammer, smash the thumb. I identify with that pain. I feel it. And Jesus said that, you know, to the degree that we treat someone, even the least of those in this body or in the kingdom, he said, that's like doing it to him personally. So when you, you use the example of giving a cup of water or food or clothing someone, so we treat them well or we don't treat them well, that's how we are treating Jesus because he's so connected to his body. So however you're treated, Jesus feels it. And however we treat others, he feels that. Because the way we treat other people is the way we're treating Jesus. That's amazing. Because it's his body, it's personal, his own body, not someone else's, not a body over there, his own body on the earth. It's connected to each of us. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, I'm gonna read this in the Amplified. It says, now you, collectively, all of us, are Christ's body and individually you are members of it, what I just said. Each part severally, which means separately, and distinct each with his own place and function. So each of us has our own place and function within this body. Colossians 1.18. He, Jesus, is the, also the head of the body, the church. And he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. He's the head of this body, but he wants to be first place in every single thing in our lives. My guess is that you, your individual person, your family, that you are not only a part of the body of Jesus, unless there's someone in here who doesn't know Jesus, isn't following him yet, maybe this is your day to begin that, but for most of us, you are a part of this fellowship already, not just this local one, but the the body of Jesus. You've been saved, you've been set free, you've been filled with his spirit you're pursuing him. You're following him to the best of your ability with your life. And your journey has taken you to be in the seat that you're in this morning, to this local fellowship where I'm guessing you, were, you came here because you were looking for something. You were looking for a place to worship, looking for a place to have community, looking for a place to grow that's safe, to grow in God, to be a part of other people and not just by yourself. All of those things. God also sent me here for that very same reason, and it's why I came, to be a part of this with you. And I can say on behalf of the leaders and the pastors here on staff at this church, the way we see you is as individuals that are connected to this body and that are given by God special gifts and skills and abilities To minister to other people in here and outside of here. That's how I see you. If you wanna, I don't see you as um, just pupils or parishioners, but I see you as ministers. That's what Ephesians 4 says that the leaders in the church, here's what they're there for they're there to equip the saints, the followers of Jesus, those filled with the Spirit. Our job, my job, is to equip you so that the saints serve and minister to other people. Uh, Sometimes, in the American church especially, we can get that upside down and see that as the clergy's doing all the ministering, where biblically, it's the clergy supposed to equip everyone else to do the ministering. Isn't that interesting how that works, right? So part of what my job is, is supposed to be to be equipping helping you to minister to other people because we are all filled with his spirit and we are all part of this body, right? One of the main differences really between a born again, regenerated, new covenant, new creation person and someone else that's in the world. Here's one of the big differences is that once you become born again, new creation, follower of Jesus, Something is supposed to shift on the inside of you, completely shift. And here's one of the biggest parts. I remember when this happened with me, is that you sh- there's a shift on the inside from me thinking about me all the time to me now thinking about others. That is what happens to a person who gives their life to Jesus. Because when you give your life to Jesus and his spirit fills you, then you start thinking and feeling the way that the spirit feels, and the spirit loves others. In fact, it says that Jesus, you know, when they asked him what are the two greatest commandments, he said it's to love, it's to love God with all and to love others as much as we love ourselves. And that's one of the huge differences. There are many, but one of the huge differences between those who follow Jesus and those who don't, and the fruit should be there as well is that will they become ministers or those that serve other people. They're looking to love someone else, to give instead of receive. Before I knew Jesus, especially before I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I was very selfish, very selfish. Everything that I did and, well, not everything, but most things that I did, the money that I made, I just thought about myself and what I could buy for myself and what I could have. And when I got baptized in the Spirit, that shifted. And I started thinking about others and what I could give to other people and what I could do for other people, how I could help other people. There was a shift there. And that's one of the big differences, right? When the Spirit of God, because God is the greatest giver of all, right? It's who He is, it's His nature. For God so loved the world that he he gave. He he just gave something. He gave his only begotten son, the very best that he had. He's the great giver. He's the one that serves. He's the one that ministers. In fact, Jesus said, I didn't come to earth to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. I I came to give my life away. That's the nature of God. And when the nature of God fills the nature of a person, then God's nature starts to want to give something away, wants to minister, wants to look around and find someone to help, to bless, to serve, to minister to. That's how this works. And then, you know, the Scriptures have given us really a pathway and some instruction on how we are to live in this new covenant life this kingdom world, in our local fellowships, like this one. So Romans 12 is very clear. I'm going to read this one in the Amplified as well. Romans 12, starting with verse 4, says, For as in one physical body we have many parts, organs, members. Uh, So just even that right there. There are many parts in a body, ones you can see and ones you can't see. There's heart, liver, pancreas, all that other stuff on the inside. So you have invisible or those that are not seen, kind of behind the scenes, and you have the visible members. And all of these parts do not have the same function or use. So we, numerous as we are, are one body in Christ, the Messiah. And individually, we are parts of one another. We're mutually dependent on one another. That's an amazing thing. We're not just, it's not just about me. It's not just my world. It is we, I'm mutually dependent on you. You're mutually dependent on me. We need one another. Verse six, having gifts, faculties, talents, qualities that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Whatever gift you've been given, it's not just for you to have. Let us use these gifts. He whose gift is prophecy, let him prophesy according to the proportion of his faith. We have a team for that, right? He whose gift is practical service. There are hundreds of ways that this could be in this category, practical service. Let him give himself to serving. So it's a choice, okay? I, I can. There are many practical ways I can give, but let, I'm gonna give myself to doing that. He who teaches to his teaching, he who exhorts or encourages to its exhortation, he who contributes, let him do it in simplicity and liberality. He who gives aid and superintends, if you're gonna give aid to anyone, to help anyone, do it with zeal and singleness of mind. He who does acts of mercy with genuine cheerfulness and joyful eagerness, Not, oh, I've got to help someone. I've got to help. Not that. With genuine cheerfulness and joyfulness, I get to serve someone. I get to help. I get to be of aid in some way. Let your love be sincere, a, a real thing. Let it be sincere. Hate what is evil. Loathe all ungodliness, turn in horror from wickedness. But hold fast to that which is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. Love one another with brotherly affection as members of one family, giving precedence and showing honor to one another. Show honor to one another, love one another, have brotherly affection for each other. This passage, these verses cover about everything. All different manners and ways to get involved and to serve and to help other people. Inside the fellowship, outside the fellowship, to look for ways to help people. You you may have heard me uh, share this before I do this when we do prophetic training, but uh, telling the story of a dream that someone had. It wasn't me, but this guy had this dream, and he... uh, he was really troubled by the dream when he woke up. So we went to his pastor and he said, uh, Pastor, I, I had this dream to really disturb me. He said, it felt like a, a dream of, of hell. He said, we were, he said well, there were several of us in this dream in this room. and said, we were all hungry, starving, really hungry. And, but in the room was this huge bowl of hot, steamy soup. Too hot to touch with your finger. And he said, we were all hungry, so we gathered around the bowl, ready to eat, and each of us were given a spoon, but the spoons were six feet long. So it wasn't a spoon I could do this, it was a six-footer. And so we were hungry, I'd put the spoon in, in this dream, but my arm wasn't long enough to swing it around to eat it. And so the food is there, but we're starving still. And I woke up, and the pastor looked at him and said, You're mistaken. That's not a dream about hell. That's a dream about the kingdom. That's what the kingdom is like. The Lord provides the food, and the spoon isn't for you. You're supposed to dip that soup in the spoon and reach across the bowl and feed your neighbor. And that person on that side does the same thing and feeds you. And everybody gets fed, but you're serving one another. It's a picture of the kingdom. So true. The gifts that we've been given are not for ourselves. The gifts we've been given are to serve one another. And as we do, they get fed. They get help. They get encouraged. They get built up. I've got story after story and journals full of words that people have given to me that have helped change my life and guide my life and encourage my life. Where people stepped out and they said something that was encouraging or did something or wrote something, ministered, prayed for me. And my guess is the same for you. It's how this is supposed to work. Jesus' body ministering to itself. With him directing the ministry. 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says, As each one has received a special gift, which that's insinuating that all of us have. You all have a special gift. Every person has at least one special gift God's given to you. Employ it. Put it to work. If you have a gift, employ it. You know, a healthy economy is where unemployment rates are really low, right? Because you want people working. A healthy person is where their gifts are fully employed also. Because as you serve and as your gifts are working and being used and stirred up, Other people are being helped in many ways. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I've also found that as you use your gift, God will give you more. As you use your gift. In fact, I know of people who have watched other people's great gifts lie dormant, and they pray to God and say, God, would you give me that gift because I'll use it. And I think that might happen sometimes. It's the Spirit of God that does these things and gives us different gifts. I think often of the, you know, the story of the lame man's friends who so loved their friend that couldn't walk to get to Jesus. So they picked him up and they went up on the roof of the house. It might have even been Jesus' house. And they tore the roof up to get him in front of Jesus. We don't know their names. We don't think, well, here's what we know. That friend got healed. That friend rose up off that bed and walked because of other people in the body that loved and served and did what ripped up roof so that he could get in front of Jesus. When we serve other people, we're often helping them get in front of Jesus. It, it does things that we can't even really explain or even understand or know about. Galatians 5.13 says this, for you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. So we have been called to live fully alive, not bound by anything, not enslaved to anything, not addicted to anything, fully free. It says now that you're free, Make sure you don't use that just to freedom for yourself. Make sure you use your freedom to, through love, serve one another. Find ways to serve someone else. Find ways to give to someone else. You know, there's so many examples of this, but only in the Scripture, in the, in the world, in history. When I think of missionaries, I think of Henry Knott going to what is now Tahiti which was just a terrible tribe of people who just killed each other. And man, if if a mom died, then they'd kill the children. They would bury people alive if they were in battle. They'd kill someone, skin them, use their skins, as the, the human skin as ornaments. I mean, he goes into that situation and loved those people for 22 years, did not see one person converted. And then after 22 years, the king gets converted. And then the whole island gets converted. One guy just served, looking for ways to pour out himself and his gifts to serve someone else, and then God could do the rest. I've not been to Israel yet. We're planning a trip, by the way, next November, not this November, November 2024, I mentioned it once. um, We can take 52 people total. I think we've got probably 34 signed up. So if you have any interest in being a part of that trip, there'll be more details coming, especially when I get them. Um, but let Nicole know. Office at awakechurch.com. If you have any interest in going on that trip, get your name signed up to go. Um, but I hope that we get to see both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. I'm not exactly sure what the itinerary is yet, but the Dead Sea is an interesting thing. Uh, if you know about it, it's the lowest place in the world, 1,300 feet below sea level. That's low. The Sea of Galilee, where Jesus was, you know, born in that region and had the disciples and they're fishing on that lake and all that, out of the Sea of Galilee flows the Jordan River, flows all the way down and goes into another place called the Dead Sea. So this Jordan River teeming with life from fish that were in the Sea of Galilee and there's baptisms that happen in the Jordan and all that, next thing you know, it flows into the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee has three major rivers flowing into it. Then it has this outlet called the Jordan River. The Dead Sea has the Jordan River going into it and nothing coming out of it. All this life pours into it and nothing goes out of it. It's called, that's why it's called the Dead Sea. Well, something else about it, its salt content is high. Nearly 30% salt. salt. That's why when you see pictures or maybe you've been there yourself, you go there and you just float on there. That salt helps you become buoyant and you're just floating on this. But there's nothing alive in the Dead Sea except for some bacteria. The closest thing to life is bacteria in the Dead Sea. No fish. If you're a fish and you're going down the Jordan River, you get to the Dead Sea, you die. Salt's too high. Burns you, kills you. The Sea of Galilee, lots of life in it. The ocean, the ocean's salty, but it's only 3% salt. 10 times less salt. And in the ocean, oh my goodness, I used to scuba dive. And it is like another spectacular world. If you ever get to scuba dive, especially in the Indian Ocean or the Caribbean or some places I dove in the Indian Ocean, I mean, hundreds of thousands of creatures you never even thought of. Teeming fish and colors, magnificent. It's full of life, the ocean, but it's also always giving back. Water evaporates, turns into big clouds. They come over. We had some over last night. Drops all that. All that came from the ocean. The the water comes right back to the earth, hits the earth, goes back into the river, flows back into the ocean. This big circular motion of all these water drops. The ocean gives back. It stays alive. It gets all these rivers flowing into it. Life teeming a lot with life. It's a great picture of a person having the Spirit of God flow into us, great teaching, even worship, people loving us, flowing into us, causes us to be alive, but there has to be an outlet to be healthy. We're supposed to be the salt of the earth, but we're not supposed to be a collection of the salt in the earth. We're supposed to be salty, but not just filled with salt like the Dead Sea so that everything that touches us dies. And we're not supposed to die ourselves. We're not supposed to be called the dead body of Christ. It's the alive body of Christ, right? That salty that has all of this from him flowing into us, others blessing us, helping us, encouraging us, all those things that are talked about here. But then we are looking, then how can I do the same for someone else? And then we stay fresh and alive on the inside. That's how it's supposed to work, right? And we want in this fellowship, really we have this, but we want it even more. We want this to have a, be a culture, a church culture where people live this Romans chapter 12, where we look to serve. We're looking for opportunity to serve. We want to be the opposite of the culture of the world. The culture of the world is selfish. It's all about me. What do I get? How long do I have to be a part? And what's next for me? That's the culture of the world, consumerism. But we want to be a culture of kingdom where we receive, but we are looking to give. We're looking to be a part. And our hope is that if this is a place that you consider your church to be a member of, that it would be automatic on the inside of you is, okay, I will serve there. I'm going to be a part of this living, vibrant body in some way. With the gifts God has given to me, I want to find a place to serve someone else with that gift. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.